after that, I guess I'll kick it over to you, Dr. Bowling. Um, do you want to just introduce yourself, give maybe like, you know, a little like icebreaker still yep. about yourself, and then we'll sort of get into just talking about life. Yeah, that sounds great. So, um, well, I'm, I'm really excited to be here today. I woke up excited this morning to do this. So uh, think what you will about that. Maybe it makes me kind of a dork, but I I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm originally from Texas. I grew up in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, um, just north of Dallas, uh, in kind of the Louisville, Carrollton area. And uh, I did my undergrad and my master's at Texas Tech, both in horticulture. And then I did a PhD at the University of Georgia, please don't hold that against me, uh, in environmental turf management. <laughs> and then uh, I was uh, at Texas A&M for the last five years as faculty there. I had kind of two roles while I was there. The first couple of years I was there, I was a statewide turf specialist out of College Station. And then I was asked to uh, co-lead a new program at AM for urban water issues in the Dallas area. So I did that um, for, for about three years um, before coming here to UT in May. So that's the that's the background spiel. And then um, I guess I'll just add to that, that, you know, to kind of clarify my role, I'm a 100% I'm extension appointment. Um, I will still have a, a research program here, um, but um, kind of uh, stepping into some very big shoes, which if those of you that are familiar with Dr. Tom Samples uh, stepped into to his position, um, you know, almost an impossible role to fill, but, um, you know, I'll do my best. And um, so, yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you for uh, giving me a little spill. So what, like, uh... I guess a good question to start off here is like, what uh, had you excited about coming to Tennessee? What made you choose Tennessee? You know, give us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, there's a few reasons. So um, the first is that Tennessee legitimately has one of the best turf programs in the country. And so, and, and I would say it has the best in the Southern US for sure. And so um, for me, there was a, a lot of appeal there to coming to a really solid program. Um, and I also, um, I genuinely like working in a team environment and that's a priority for this program. Uh, this group works really closely together. And so I was really excited to join that and become part of the group um, and be part of a team. And uh, I was also really excited to get back to the Southeast. You know, I, I love Texas, born and raised Texan, kind of an obnoxious Texas pride person, but uh, I really missed living someplace green with water. You know, when I lived in North Georgia, it was a really beautiful place to live. Knoxville is a very beautiful place to live. Uh, really nice being back in a, in a true college town that has art and good music and good food and not all of the traffic of Dallas. So uh, excited about that as well and then my husband is is from north georgia so we're we're closer to his family and he's really excited to be back closer to sec east football it's all he talks about uh he's also really happy to be back in atlanta braves country uh he had to pay special memberships in texas to be able to watch braves games and he doesn't have to do that here so he's really excited about that so <laughs> yeah <laughs> Alrighty. Um, another thing that I think would be interesting for you to talk about is you said you did mention that you do have some big shoes to fill with Dr. Samples, obviously beloved across the state. Um, what are a few of the things you're working on right now, plan to be working on the next few months to start to fill those shoes? 
Yeah. So big priority for me right now is just getting around and meeting people, meeting as many people as I can. So I actually see that one of our county agents, Mitchell Moat, is on here. I got to spend some time with him last week in Murfreesboro. We went and visited some golf courses there uh, and had a great day with him. He took me to get barbecue, uh, which was fun. And um, and so, yeah, just getting around, seeing as many places as I can, meeting as many people as I can, and really getting a sense of the turfgrass industry here in Tennessee across its three regions, um, getting a sense of what some of the needs are from an extension perspective. Um, I'll be in Jackson tomorrow night. I'll get to spend the evening with one of our sod farms there, and then I'll spend Thursday doing summer celebration out in the western part of the state, so I'm looking forward to that. And so over the next few months, my goal is uh, really to uh, kind of do what I refer to as a comprehensive needs assessment. So thinking about what are the resources and programmatic needs for professional turf development across the state. What are superintendents looking for? What are sports field managers looking for? Uh, municipal parks folks, landscape folks, uh, production folks. What are they looking for in terms of um, uh, resources? What are they looking for in terms of education, training for staff, employees, et cetera? Um, all those things that we do on the extension side um, and kind of using that to build a roadmap for my program that I'll hopefully be able to share at the uh, TTA meeting later this winter. Um, and then a lot of my focus here in Tennessee will be very environmental and water oriented. So uh, one of the things I'm working on right now is putting together a statewide survey with one of our ag economists um, to evaluate irrigation infrastructure across the state and how that corresponds to efficiency in terms of labor and monetary costs and basically trying to get some numbers together that may help. Uh, turf managers and probably with a lot of emphasis on superintendents kind of advocate for what they need. We've, I've been to several golf courses now where there's a need for updated irrigation, but it's hard sometimes to, to make that argument, right, and to get that message across. And so thinking about generating numbers that are going to help people do that. Um, and, uh, and, and then I'm just working on grant proposals. You know, we're we're blessed as faculty uh, with the, the job of having to bring in good money. So, <laughs> so that's what another thing I'm working on right now as well. Very cool. cool. Um, Becky, you yeah, mentioned me... the team and all that. And uh, I know I noticed like, you know, you've been spending a lot of time out at the research farm. So you've gotten to to know the, the grad students and technicians and things out there and, and Bill and everything. What? What are, what are your thoughts of, of, of everyone and what you've been getting to to, to um, so far, I guess? Oh, I mean, I, I will tell you that I, I feel very validated that this was a really great decision for me to come here, um, truly. And uh, my parents are visiting this week and I've been, I haven't shut up about that with them while they're here. Uh, <laughs> and so, I mean, I, I think... Uh, you know, having, having been, I want to be careful about what I say here, but having been around other turf programs at other universities, uh, I would say that Tennessee's is unparalleled to anything else that I've experienced in terms of how well people work together, the expertise that goes in. I mean, having Bill out there to help manage our facilities, I mean, I, I don't know that I can, that you're going to see that in most other turf programs, somebody with that level of expertise, you know, like, just simple things um, that I'll share with our, our little audience here, like uh, very atypical to go into a turf program and see that all of the resources are shared and organized in a single place. Meaning that each faculty, you know, a lot of other places, each faculty will have their own 
you know, stuff, their own products, their own equipment. It's all just in a kind of compartmentalized place that's theirs. It may or may not be shared with others. You know, here, everything is organized and very centralized and shared among the team, you know, and I, I don't know. I just, all of that impresses me. The students, of course, impress me, including the two that are on here. Um, so yeah, all positive, except for you, John, I'm still on. <laughs> yeah, I'm still a suspect. Trust me. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, he's pretty suspect. You might want to keep an eye mm. on him. Arms, uh, arms reach. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Well, thank you for uh, going through all that, uh, Dr. Bowling. Um, so, uh, like, you talked about all that. Is there anything, I know that you are a, you may want to talk a little bit about your appointment, um, which is 100% extension. Um, so, like, maybe talk about, like, some things that you may be able to do for some of the participants on this call, like, uh, for instance, if they were to reach out to you or ways they can reach out to you and how you may be able to help them. Yeah, it may be good to give a little background on kind of what extension is too, because not everybody's familiar with it. And so, you know, extension is going to be uh, the entity attached to a land grant institution that whose role it is to really extend science based information to the public. So, you know, the, the way that it typically should look is that I would work really closely with research faculty like John and Jim and Brandon. I mean, Jim has a, an extension appointment as well, but he's majority research to um, to kind of take all of the great work that they're doing and think of ways that I can share that with different audiences across the state. So that's kind of one, one part of that. Um, and also to work very closely with the county extension offices that are in the 95 counties here in Tennessee and the phenomenal agents that we have working in those counties. Uh, and then, um, you know, I feel like my role is, you know, as turfgrass stakeholders across the state run into challenges um, related to uh, managing turf, related sometimes, you know, like, like uh, uh, sometimes the issue is not necessarily how do I overcome this agronomic issue, which certainly can be a consistent theme in, in the types of things we see, but how do I communicate my needs to other people that have a say in my, in what I do, right? So if I'm managing a facility, that doesn't necessarily mean that I have complete control over what the budget looks like, or it could mean that I have people from the public visiting my facility that don't understand some of the things that I'm doing or that I need to do to manage my facility. So I also feel like part of my role is to help stakeholders think about how can they communicate and provide them with resources to help them do what they need to do for their jobs. And so, you know, I would say if, if you're a superintendent or professional landscaper or uh, a sod grower or a sports field manager or parks manager, you know, as you come across challenges, um, I guess my job is to help you feel supported and to help you remember that you're not alone. And so, you know, you're welcome to reach out to me directly. Um, and whether it's, you know, me that you're working with, or we're bringing in the whole Tennessee turf team, depending on the scope of the issue, or we're working with the county agents, um, kind of helping you troubleshoot and, and problem solve. Um, you know, and this year, of course, we had a lot of questions early in the year about, about the winter we had, right? And like Jim and, and these guys, they put together like a phenomenal letter. I'm sure several of you have seen that, that kind of overviews, and maybe John, you can speak to this better than me, but um, that overviews some of the weather challenges we had this year and the impact that that had on winter kill and delayed green up and, um, and being able to share that as a resource that a superintendent could use and say, this is an issue we're having statewide. And this is why we're having this issue. And this is why we're gonna be cart path only for a while. And, you know, whatever they need to be able to say. And, and 
you know, as I've gone around, I've gotten very several compliments about that letter that y'all put together, John. And you know, so I think it's things like that. I've got, I've heard a lot of great feedback from that as well, and it's just it's just a reminder of you know in the transition zone as uh, the late AJ Powell said is it's where we can grow all grasses equally poor, and uh, this this winter was a testament to it. And I don't know if it was the 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 cold that snapped on December twenty third twenty fourth where we got down to zero degrees and below zero for four con constant days, or I think it was a combination of that, but it was like in the sixties up until then, and then. February, if you remember, we hit 80 degrees and that was, I was like, gonna say, started green up yeah. again. And then yeah. boom, we went right back down to I think it was definitely like a combination of all that where it was like we were having such extreme highs and then extreme lows, like just yeah. like back to back to back. And that that like it if they great. like even were remotely gonna snap out of dormancy at any point, some of the especially the warm season grasses and stuff, yeah. that's like and then getting cold again. That's that's pretty rough. We I just oh, saw woody plants or woody weeds if you want to call them that trees and ornamentals yeah. that uh, that that you wouldn't normally see die die yeah. in the cold you know a lot of cryptomera boxwoods that are just smoked yeah it was a rough year for Japanese all maple. plants yeah 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 very rough year mm -hmm. um so i probably should ask you this a little bit earlier but uh dr bowling would you maybe want to go through like uh because i think this is always an interesting story to hear um from just anybody but like how you got into surf grass like um <laughs> sort of your story behind that and then um sort of maybe where you went to school and everything and um just give us your background on that a little bit yeah so um you know so a little bit of background is that um i do have some family history in ag but not really recently so um basically my i'm a sixth generation texan and and up until my dad's generation my whole family was on cotton farms and then my dad got off the farm and then now i'm back basically on the farm and so <laughs> i uh i started off actually because i grew up in dallas we really i didn't have a lot of exposure to things like extension or 4-h or really any of that i grew up in a very urban urban setting and i uh, went to texas tech with the intention of becoming an interior design major and and uh, kind of like moved around and some other things for a while. And then uh, tech has a, you know, one of your classes that qualifies for your basic science credit is horticulture. And I took that class and just completely fell in love with it, right? Same reason many of us get into this industry. It's like, I get to be outside. I'm not tied to an office. Like I get to get my hands dirty. Um, and so fell in love with that. And I worked uh, for faculty out there who specialized in native plants. And so I did that for a lot of my time at tech. Um, it's really hard to live in Lubbock, Texas and not do cotton. So I actually worked for, uh, while I was doing my master's, I also worked for Bayer Crop Science and I did cotton uh, research in their greenhouses out there. And then um, started looking around to do a PhD and um, reached out to somebody that had used to be at Texas Tech and had moved on to the University of Georgia, which is Gerald Henry. Uh, and I reached out to him and I said, hey, I'm not interested at all in turf, but do you know anybody else at Georgia that's looking to take on a student? <laughs> And he goes, well, why, why aren't you interested in turf? I'm like, I'm just, just, you know, I don't think I'm interested in that. He goes, well, you can do anything you want in turf. Like if you're interested in environmental science, you can do environmental science in turf. 
And I said, okay, I'll come out to Athens and I'll check it out. And, you know, came out, fell in love with Athens, fell in love with the program, the whole idea of what I got to do. My PhD was like really interesting. I got to do some social science. I got to um, work with a company to um, kind of um, spearhead some of the early precision turf management research, looking at variable rate fertility and how you can kind of map for some of that. Um, and just, it was just really, I don't know, it was really neat and kind of unexpected. And, you know, as you get into turf more and more, you learn it, 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 you learn all of the, all of the good things about it. And then probably I really fell in love with like the people that work in turf, right. As well. And so, um, and, and yeah, and now I've been in it now for several years. And so, uh, and even when I was really focused on water in Texas, you know, urban water is turf is a huge part of that. So almost everything we did was still turf related um, and really trying to convince people uh, because turf gets a reputation out West as being detrimental to water issues there. And, and, uh, and we actually see that's not, not, it's not that simple, you know, and we see a lot of times that the things that replace turf have a lot of their own environmental drawbacks and, you know, turf can offer a lot of benefits that uh, other alternative landscape options do not offer, you know, and all of that just really interests me. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of how I got into it. And plus like turf is one of the only crops you can work in where you can wear shorts all the time. So that's nice. <laughs> That, that yeah. definitely is a big positive yeah that's that's fair um it's one question i did have was i you did a lot of work with water use in turf do you have any plans to continue that here at ut i don't know if you can speak to that on, on what your plans are if you put in grants or whatnot for that specifically yeah so absolutely i do um water is a very different uh, kind of beast here than it was in Texas. Um, but I also think that the, the uh, weather is changing and we're going to see a greater and greater need for proactive plans, even if we're dealing with, so I, I think here what we'll see more and more of are kind of acute short-term droughts, but intense droughts during summer months that we have to be prepared for. Um, coupled with something I got really involved in in Texas was looking at nature-based solutions for stormwater management. So how do we use soils and plants to mitigate excessive rainfall? And uh, we've had quite a bit of that lately here. And turf can certainly play an important role in that. You know, when we think about what is going to be the best option for sloped areas to stabilize soil, reduce sediment loading, support phytoremediation or cleaning of water, it's going to come back to turf over and over and over again. And so, um, so I would say that I'll continue to have a water-centric program. There's kind of two parts of that in my mind. One is thinking about water quantity, which is thinking about how do we optimize water use efficiency so that when we do have droughts, we're prepared for that. Um, so that when we're, we're using water as efficiently as possible from an economic standpoint as well. Uh, and the other piece of that will be water quality. So thinking about all of the steps we can take to protect you know, all of the beautiful rivers and lakes and everything that we have here in Tennessee uh, and protect the water quality in those, those water bodies. Um, and we have a great faculty member here um, who I haven't gotten to, uh, actually, she's been gone a lot since I started, but Andrea Ludwig, who does a lot of really great work um, where she, she's a kind of an ecological engineer 
She does a lot of great work with rain gardens and she's got the Tennessee Smart Yards program. And so thinking about how I can partner with her to bring in some more turf centric uh, work into what she does as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I Tennessee is a very interesting state with water as well, because over here in East Tennessee, we're technically a temperate rainforest, so we get a lot of rain, but somewhere out in Memphis may not see as much. So it's it's definitely an interesting uh, thing to look at. Yeah, and like one of the things that Jim and I are looking at right now too is kind of exploring this idea of like how we define effective rainfall. And like, just because we get a lot of rain doesn't mean that that's all usable rain, depending on the intensity or the time of year that we receive it. So kind of looking more closely at that as well and how that's changing and shifting. So, yeah, no, when uh, it was decided that you were going to be coming here, that was probably one of the most excited things I, or one of the things I was most excited about, like having you here is to see what you were going to do with like some of the waters experience you in the past. Cause like you said, that was like your main focus in Texas mm -hmm. and then come to Tennessee, you don't really ever think about water being an issue. Like there's, you know, there's either generally most people live like within 30 minutes to an hour of a pretty major lake or stream or river or something. So it's not like when you think of Tennessee, you don't ever think of like water stress. But um, I know I'm excited to see sort of where you take this like water efficiency stuff um, and just sort of promoting like water awareness um, in general across the state, even though we don't really think about that as a state in general. Um, I think it'll be very cool to see what that evolves into over the next few years um, as you sort of get your foothold on uh, getting around the state and seeing like everything that's going on here. Yeah, I'm excited. I think that in that there's a lot of opportunity um, because it it's not at the forefront of a lot of people's minds yet, but I think it'll increasingly be a, a more and more important issue. So to me, it kind of, it excites me to think about how we as an industry here in the state can get ahead of it. Yeah. you know, maybe better than other states that that waited too long and then were hit very hard by some of these challenges and were not prepared, you know, and we have kind of an opportunity here to be ahead of that. And and like I said, it's not, it's it's the whole spectrum. So it's also thinking about as Tennessee becomes more urbanized, like many other states, that leads to land use changes. That's gonna that's gonna make those rainfall events be more challenging sometimes yeah. and create more flooding issues. And you know, as folks that work in the in the plants industry, you know, how do we combat that in a natural way? So, yeah, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, since I've been on campus for the past like um, six years, the like evolution of the landscaping on campus or campus where there's been a lot more concrete, a lot more parking garages, they've had to really get creative on like um, rain, like catch systems with like a lot of their landscaping and they've done a really good job of that a lot of the medians you know now are like water efficient areas where the plants there are like really good at like taking up the water and preventing flooding because my freshman year when I was here and Dr. Sorokin can speak to this a lot more there's a lot of puddles on campus um and like big rain events it'd be like going down the road um and so I've noticed a big difference in just like that since I've even been here um, which I think would be cool for you to sort of take that next step into maybe promoting turf to be one of those things that um, can maybe prevent that as well. As well as, like you said, uh, working with Dr. Ludwig, she's an awesome person and I think she would be like great to work with on some of that stuff. Yeah, she's, she's really awesome. I like her a lot. Stormwater abatement's a big thing. And, you know, Dylan, you could attest coming from Michigan, you're, you're used to seeing clear water 
not so much as uh, there's not a lot of clear water here that Tennessee. Yeah, Lake, this, is, Tennessee this has River been is, my this has been my first experience living near a waterway that you're not supposed to go into. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's it's like uh, tea, tea colored and yeah, you know that's a lot of suspended soil floating in the in the in the river and it's always been like that, but um, you know. Be, Grass is a great filter for that. So I think looking at how, how as we become more urbanized, Nashville's exploding, East Tennessee, Knoxville, Chattanooga area, yep. exploding in population and how we, how we could, how grass can complement and clean, clean water as it's, as it's coming through the system. So I was just going to say, so speaking of like grass is using the filter, um, do you have anything that you might be bringing in terms of like pesticide filtering um, that like gets into runoff and uh, anything like that with like water uh, efficiency, like that kind of stuff? So um, I will say without committing myself too much because I'm still in like proposal stages, but Dr. Brosnan and I submitted a very large uh, grant proposal with many colleagues of ours. This is almost a $12 million proposal um, to USDA this year with 12 other institutions on it. And it's sort of a continuation of those of you that are familiar with the Resist POA project. It sort of builds on, on aspects of that, but we're, we're going away from just POA uh, individually and we're kind of digging into some findings that we had from many of our focus groups that, that really kind of um, found that you know, one of the challenges that we face with really combating these weed issues in addition, in addition to resistance challenges is you know, uh, we're losing a lot of tools, right? So, so with increased scrutiny of pesticides, um, we're seeing that a growing number of products are becoming restricted use. It's getting increasingly difficult for new products to be registered for use in turf. There's a whole bunch of things that kind of go into that. Um, but one of the things that we're going to really explore is um, there, there are some, some um, knowledge gaps related to how pesticides move in the environment. And a colleague of ours that, that Jim and I both work with quite a bit, Dr. Travis Gannon at NC State, that's what he specializes in. And so, um, so, so thinking about research that we can do with him, both as part of the proposal we submitted, and then I'm working with Travis on some other things tentatively, hopefully, um, that will allow me to look a little bit at uh, pesticide movement in the environment and, and things like that with him. It's to look at those things is, is more challenging than people than people think, and, and it requires um, really nice equipment and very expensive infrastructure um, to look at pesticide bait, as you're learning, Ben, in some of your yes. <laughs> and so um, and so it's it's challenging to some extent to be able to do that work in turf because we don't always have the resources or the support that some other cropping industries have, but there's a huge need for it because you know, we're a dominant crop in urban settings. And so we want to understand like what role does turf play in helping to mitigate pesticide movement and in those environments that are very densely populated, right? And so I definitely, I guess what I, my short answer to that is yes, I think there will be some work in that direction um, in collaboration with NC State. Not totally sure what that will look like yet, but you know, I would say Travis's lab is kind of the premier lab for that that particular work in turf in the country. So um, I think we'll have some good opportunities there. To build off that a little bit, um, it's not even just equipment, but like land air or land use area. Um, so 
that kind of research can't just be done like in any turf plot. A lot of times you have to have like almost like graded slopes um, sometimes to like have consistency for your research. So um, NC State specifically has a research plot that like is specifically graded to like 9% slope um, just for some work that's like done like this. Um, so sometimes it's like not even a limiting factor of the equipment or whatever. It can also be like having the right land area to do this kind of research on as well as like um, knowing like exactly what's in your soil um, and knowing the history of that soil because like um, when you start getting into like tracking uh, pesticides in the soil it gets down to like you kind of have to know what's been in the past because some pesticides have a lot longer residue than others and then you may like some pesticides you sprayed two or three years ago may interfere with some reading that you're trying to take on a spray that you did like in the past four weeks. Um, so just that those kind of variables too are sometimes hard uh, logistically when um, working through specifically like pesticide bait type work like Dr. Bowling is talking about. But um, I think that there's like she talked about, there's definitely plans in the works to sort of uh, do work like that between NC State and Tennessee in the next like probably two years, I think, because I know that there's a couple of experiments they're talking about doing next year, um, just specifically with that kind of stuff, um, yeah. which will be super cool. To see where that ends up taking us in uh, SCRI 2.0, I guess is what we're if it gets calling funded. that. <laughs> if it gets funded, yes, if it gets funded. Yeah, yeah, um, we'll see. Very competitive, so. Yes, but hopefully uh, we get that because I know the first one was very successful and it was uh, there was a lot of good work that came out of that um, that I'm sure you all have probably heard a lot about um, here on the panelists, but yeah. So. Oh. Yeah. Email. Okay. Oh, I was just going to say, in addition to that, too, right? So, we would, there's a lot of opportunity to look at non point source pollution from nutrients, thinking about nutrient fate, thinking about how turf impacts bacterial contamination of water bodies. You know, bacteria is a major contaminant, E. coli, major contaminant for a lot of water bodies. And so, there's a lot, a lot of things we can look at. And then the EPA is putting increasing emphasis on PFAS. And thinking about, you know, the role that natural grass can play in mitigating some of those concerns as well. So a lot, lot of opportunity. So um, what I'm actually a little bit unfamiliar with this as well, but like what kind of like pesticide work have you done in the past? Um, like, and do you plan to maybe continue any of that like here or um, do you maybe want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, um, so I would say that, um, so I did a lot of continuing education in Texas uh, related to integrated pest management. So going around the state and emphasizing best practices, uh, digging into the research on uh, the ways that we can um, uh, reduce dependency on uh, synthetic pesticides in turf systems, or at least optimize, you know, if we are going to use them, optimize how efficiently we use them. So did a lot of educate, I mean, a lot of education about that in Texas, and then um, was part of the Resist Pola project there in Texas. Um, so got to work a lot with Dr. Brosnan, you know, when I was there in that capacity. Um, did some, did some work, uh, I would say a lot of the research I did related to pesticides in Texas would have been more weeds oriented. Um, but wasn't a huge part of my program um, compared to some other things. And so, you know, there may be opportunities, like I said, um, 
There's some opportunities for me to continue to do some things as it relates to water quality protection, some opportunities to collaborate with Jim and to collaborate with Travis. Um, but, you know, we already have faculty here that um, specialize in pest management. We have a pathologist here. We have a weed scientist here. We have, you know, and and they're they're among the best in the country at what they do. And so, um, you know, I, I would see that my program, if I worked in some of that, would be uh, in the form of collaborations with those guys more so than anything else. So, do you think you will collaborate with them, like specifically, like you talked yeah. about on your talk? Well, I mean, specifically, you <laughs> talked to you did a lot of the education stuff in Texas. Do you see yourself continuing to do that quite a bit in Tennessee, like helping promote that type of education? Uh, I mean, I think there's a need for that education in every state, right? For uh, for pesticide applicators in particular. Um, and so I will continue to help fill, fill those needs for the industry and, and work with Jim and Brandon and John to think about how we can do that as a team. And, um, and so, so yeah, so I, I see myself certainly still continuing to do that. And I think when we talk about water quality protection in particular, you know, integrated pest management, there's a huge connection there. Right. And so a lot, a lot we can talk about. Um, something that always interested me some to talk about in Texas too, is the idea of indicator weeds. So thinking about looking at, at the weeds that we see dominating a turf environment and asking the question, you know, what is the underlying issue that's allowing those weeds to outcompete the turf and addressing that issue? You know, it's not, not sufficient to just go out there sometimes with 2,4-D and spray out that clover. That clover's there for a reason. So it may give you a temporary solution, but it's probably telling me something else about that environment right, that I, I need to address to keep my turf more competitive. Yeah. Um, Dr. Shrocken, Dylan, do y'all have anything, questions? Yeah, I mean, um, I have one. Um, so our lab has been having a lot of uh, samples being sent in, and um, I think it's starting to become that time of year where we see a lot of disease around uh, the state. I didn't know what kind of things you've been seeing as an extension agent um, in home lawns, not necessarily just golf courses. Yeah. Have you seen anything? So I have seen dollar spot across all Bermuda environments this year. I think the conditions have been just right for it. Like even in lawn environments, we've seen some dollar spot um, this spring. We've seen some leaf spot um, just because we've had kind of a very slow warm up, a lot of wet, cloudy weather, and then depending on, you know, whether or not somebody has or has not made a nitrogen application, you're going to see one of those two potentially flare up under these conditions. And then, of course, this time of year, we're moving into the time of year that we're, we're going to see more brown patch activity in fescues. And so I haven't had a lot of emails about that yet, but I've sort of been waiting for it. I'm, I'm anticipating it as we get warmer and warmer, so... <laughs> Yeah, I think I think one of the reasons why it's been so delayed is is due to um, May and early June being so dry. Yeah, um, at least in East Tennessee, we we didn't have much measurable rainfall, and it uh, things just really didn't kickstart. I felt like until probably about two to three weeks ago. Um, but as we move into the fall, what what kind of things should turf managers be on the lookout for as a warm season? Uh, grass start to slow down, um, what kind of diseases uh, do you suggest um, turf managers uh, look at? 
Yeah, so that's a good question. And, um, you know, I'm still, I will just for full disclosure, I'm still getting used to that the soil pHs and the soils here are very different than what I experienced in Texas. And so that means different diseases tend to be dominant here compared to what I was used to there. Um, in general, I would say as we move into the fall from a warm season perspective, I would start to worry a little bit about large patch disease, which we know is also caused by rhizoctonia, but it's a different anastomosis group and it manifests at a different time of year in warm season grasses than in cool season grasses. And so I would anticipate that would potentially start to show up uh, in the fall. And usually we recommend preventative fungicide programs for that for areas that have kind of a known history of that uh, being an issue. Um, I don't know, John, other, what, what else am I missing? Spring dead spots, probably the time you start thinking about it in fall for Bermuda grasses and yeah. um, for sure. The other, the other one in scouting that, obviously a cost effective. Mm -hmm. Fairy ring, if people want to worry about controlling oh, it. Oh yeah, fairy ring, see that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Good. speaking of uh, like uh, talking about that kind of stuff and sort of going over uh, problems and best ways to go about fixing those specifically applied to Tennessee, um, Dr. Bowling, do you have any plans of bringing back the in-person turf field day? Um, that was a question asked on the Q&A, since you're the lucky person that is now in charge of that, since that was previously Dr. Sample's um, yeah. responsibility. But what are, do you have any plans for that, or what are your thoughts on that? So um, I know that we won't be doing anything this year. Um, I believe the intention is that we will discuss that as a team. Um, to discuss the best way to kind of approach that going forward. And there will probably be some opportunities for, um, you know, stakeholders that we work with in a closer capacity, those that are involved, for example, with TTA boards, et cetera, to kind of weigh in on, on what that might look like. So I would imagine there would be some version of that in the future, you know, whether or not it looks exactly like it used to look before. I, I think we still have to have those discussions. Um, John, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I get a lot of, a lot of questions on it. Um, I actually got a, a text from it today, someone asking if we're, if we're going to actually have it as well. Um, I think it it was more of a regional thing. We we back we tried to do it one time in Nashville and, you know, a field day at the little course and we put some trials out there. But it, you know, we, we were we had a pretty large field day. It was about 600 people in attendance. So um, when a lot of states were growing down, we, we actually grew ours pretty good. <clears throat> but it's pretty regional, but there's a lot of professional lawn care operators and city park and rec and things that, you know, I think they look at, you know, those Tennessee turf Tuesdays help fill some of those voids on some of that. But I think a lot of the park and rec people would still like to come see something like that. So if we do some sort of hybrids, maybe there's, there's smaller, more esoteric type field days, a sports turf related one or a golf or a, a commercial lawn care residential one or something like that, or it's a full fledged big field day again. I don't know. That's a good question. I yeah. think we definitely need to sit down and meet on it, though, because it'd be yeah. good to get a poll out there or send a poll out and, and yeah. ask people if they would like it and get the feedback from, from the yeah. practitioners, for sure. I, I can tell you, Ben, for sure that I will have some, there will be some in-person events. What they look mm -hmm. like, I'm not sure yet, but I think yeah. there's great value to those, and I think people are getting tired of doing everything. You know, it's nice to have the, this as a convenience um, but but people like definitely to nice that. to get your pesticide credits this way. Exactly. Sure <laughs> yeah. um, so what do you, uh, Dr. Bowen, I think you're slightly <laughs> familiar. You may, I know you were not here, but what did you think about the like 
way we sort of switched it up instead of field day last year we did the crash course um, so it was a little bit different format it was more so open to companies um, but what were your do you have any thoughts about that or like is there any like things that you heard or saw from that that you may want to apply to future type um, field day type events um, sort of stuff yeah, I think that's kind of what John was alluding to is this idea that like maybe we do a series of smaller, more focused events that can really cater to the specific needs of individual audiences, you know, that the larger field day can be very exciting just for the sake of having a very large event with a lot of people, but it may limit how much of that information is relevant to any one specific audience, right? Because you're trying mm -hmm. to appeal to a very broad spectrum of people. And so there's something to be said, like with the crash course, that was very, that was very, and John can speak to that way better than me because I wasn't, I wasn't here, like you said, but that catered very specifically to a particular audience and was able to meet specific needs of that audience very effectively, yeah. right? So yeah, a couple of the things that I really took away from that that I hadn't seen before that I thought would be great to continue, maybe not in a crash course setting, but like you said, do those smaller type events where it's more focused, we have a more like individualized group where it's maybe not one-on-one, -on -one, but um, you know, field day events can be, you know, we have 50 people like talking to one person or, you know, one person talking to 50 people at the crash course. It was more so like two or three instructors to maybe 15 or 20 people. Um, and one of the main events I thought was interesting for that, that seemed to be very helpful was like we did a like a simple mower maintenance type uh, event during that like showing simple mower maintenance like going over some stuff like that with our um with our head of like turf here our turf like our research farm bill she's that guy uh and then another couple of things we had with sprayer calibration like some stuff like that and i think that was really unique and cool ways or cool events to add to sort of like a field day type event like that that could probably be very useful to a lot of um, operators and just like um, turf and landscape managers across the state that um, maybe you might know what uh, you like, you might, you know, do that every day, but sometimes it's nice to have a refresher or you may have a new person join your um, like company, whatever. Uh, and that may be a good like way for them to sort of like not have you like sort of walking them through everything and have another set of like ear or another set of, um, like another perspective, like walking them through that, that may help them better understand how to best do that. So. Yeah, I agree that those hands-on activities, they have a lot of value. You do have to do them with a smaller group though, for them to be really yeah. effective. And and that may be like John said, we may discuss as a, a turf team and then there may be a poll that not only asks, you know, what type of event people are looking for, but are there specific um, topics or specific hands-on trainings that would be of greater value? to specific audiences. Exactly. Dylan, Dr. Rockham, do y'all have anything? Questions, comments? You, you talked about, you know, we got Brandon doing pathology and uh, Jim doing weeds. You know, we don't have anyone doing entomology. So you, <laughs> you can always become an entomologist too, if you want to get into the spring like they do. Yeah. And that's definitely true. And that may be something that I explore. Entomology has never been my strongest uh, pest area, I would say. I have the least experience with it. 
Um, but we do have, so UT does have a new pathologist and a new entomologist coming in uh, to Nashville and filling some positions there. So there could be some good opportunities for collaborations. Um, both of those individuals- This is for Frank Hale and Alan Wyndham's positions, right? So that's yes. this is really exciting that they got people yes. coming in for those. Yes. Talking about other big shoes to fill because they, they've yeah. done amazing work. Yeah. Right. So both of those individuals will um, be coming here to Knoxville um, next week. So I'll get to have coffee oh, with awesome. them and, um, and maybe chat a little bit more. But yeah, so there could be some some opportunities there as well. So have they already started or are they? Um, okay. Awesome. Yeah, I believe they've both started now. Um, I know the entomologist has. And the pathologist like may just now be starting, but I know that they'll both be here next week. So awesome. Very cool. Um let's see here. So will there be expectations for them to do like applied research and things like that as well, being hundred percent extension, similar to your position and stuff? Yes, as I understand it, that will be the expectation. And they have uh, be given some lab space as well to do conduct some research and there is an expectation too that they're both doing some turf related work so um so there will, will be we have them at the farm then too to be able to show them some proving grounds that we could yeah put. i can yeah. definitely take them over there after uh, i don't know what they're so they'll be here for like three days and i don't know exactly so okay. we'll, we'll we'll go get coffee one morning and then if they can if we can take them over there that'd be good they come oh, they're, they're still based on the center in nashville correct or yes, i guess they're in, both in nashville okay. yeah yeah okay Awesome. Yeah, that'll be very cool to have them in Knoxville and hopefully the, um, just in general, the turf and landscaping teams will be able to sort of collaborate with them uh, quite a bit. Because I know it was awesome to work with um, Dr. Wyndham and Dr. Hale. They were it was mm -hmm. awesome. Great people all around. Definitely really good at also uh, sort of including turf a lot of times. And then they were, uh, they definitely did a good job of um, adding that to the list a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Wyndham has some had some phenomenal. I I just happen to be really familiar with some of his stuff, but he had some phenomenal resources that were very helpful for turf diagnostics for diseases. Really great yeah. microscope pictures and yeah. Yeah, I know I took. Uh, yeah, I know I took. Uh, well, Dylan and I actually both took um, the like pest diagnostics class that they put on together last summer. It was their last class, and uh, I know they did a really good job of because uh, Dylan and I were the only turf students in the class so and they did a really good job of like helping us find like some turf stuff along with all the ornamental stuff that they were uh maybe a little bit more passionate about or knew a lot more about but they definitely like, took us around and helped us like find some turf stuff to look at so we weren't just looking at hydrangeas all day um but no that they were they were awesome and uh, i look forward to seeing the two new people that are filling their positions and hopefully they uh can do as good a job as people for them <laughs> so um, Dr. Bowen, do you have anything else you'd like to like comment about or like anything you want to add? You know, I don't know that I do yet. I would just say like, um, keep an eye out. Those of you that are, are joining today for, there will probably be a series of kind of polls or surveys that go out to kind of, like I said, get a sense of the needs across the industry. So you know, I, I genuinely want to hear from people. And so keep an eye out for, for that and, um, and don't hesitate to reach out to me. I should, 
point out that there is another Becky Bowling in our college that is faculty. She's an ag econ. So uh, do make sure that if you're searching around for me that you're looking for the turf Becky. And um, I can put my email address in the chat. It's my um, it's my maiden name and I can put that in there um, for whoever would like to contact me. Yeah, so we've got about five to 10 minutes left. We also will take any questions uh, that people may have in the chat. Um, let's see here. Um, so Dr. Bowen, you started in uh, May, the first of May, correct? Mm -hmm. Um, what, uh, how has Tennessee summer been here so far, first of all, <laughs> compared to Texas summer? <laughs> and then, uh, also how's, uh, just like, you know, life been so far? I know you said you were enjoying Knoxville and like, you just like love this area, but, uh, how's it been like your first, I guess, like two and a half months here? Well, those of you that follow the news have seen that Texas has experienced some really extreme heat early in the summer this year. Uh, they had like heat indexes around 114, 115 a couple weeks ago. So by comparison, the summer here so far has been phenomenal. I mean, I think as I understand it, this has been cooler than the average year here even. And I think the high the last couple of days has been like 82, 83. I mean, I'm not going to complain about that. That's like awesome. It's, uh, it's definitely been a little wet. <laughs> yeah. But it, I don't, you know, I don't mind that either coming from someplace where you may not get rain for a hundred years. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's quite the opposite from where you came from. I know I was uh, interested to see, cause you were coming to the, um, I feel like you probably got up here and it was probably already like 20 degrees cooler than it was in Texas, oh, yeah. like in the first of May when y'all were moving up. <laughs> oh yeah. It, I mean, beautiful. It's beautiful here. Um, and yeah, we, I got to do the uh, first Friday walk in Knoxville this last Friday with a colleague of mine and John uh, mm -hmm. Kelly. And that was really exciting. Uh, we went to Pretentious, which was really cool. Those of you that are not familiar, it's like a glass blowing place slash you can drink there, but it, that the glass blowing's really cool. Like, um, I don't know. It's just, it's awesome. Like I said, I like, I love being back in a true college town. Mm -hmm. Um, so. Yeah, Cause you, uh, in Texas, I know you originally were in college station, correct? Like when you first started at Texas A&M, was that correct? Uh-huh. And then you got moved to Dallas, correct? Yes. Okay. And I, you know, if there's Aggies on here, please don't take offense, but you know, I would college station. It's a, it's a good town. It doesn't have some of the things that Knoxville has or that Athens has. It's just kind of a different vibe. So it's, it's like I said, I'm real excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Oh, uh, an anonymous attendee asked, who will you be pulling for in college football this year? Ooh, tough, <laughs> tough. Um, Tennessee uh every week but one so <laughs> which which week is that against Texas A&M or Georgia is a real question Georgia Georgia <laughs> for sure is my yeah yeah you know it's hard it's hard not to be a Georgia Bulldogs fan right now yeah especially when your husband's like a diehard 
I know. Pretty easy for so. me. I'm just saying. <laughs> but I, I have fully embraced. You can ask John. I fully embrace the power tee. I wear it almost every day. All about it. Fully embrace the orange. Um, I'm I'm really enjoying it. So orange is the new red. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now if we can get your husband on board as well, that'll be that. that's gonna happen. <laughs> Although if we get rowback shirts, that might convince him. Oh really? Okay. Well then that might we might just have to make that happen then. Um, alrighty. I think we're approaching that 55 minute mark. Um, so I will go ahead and, um, put up the GCS double A code. That way everyone can get that for GCS double A credit. Let me share my screen here. So. So people can earn their points. What are your what what's your favorite weed? Yeah. Hmm, my favorite weed in what context? Like I don't know. I, I probably I would say don't say cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite weed? What is your favorite turf grass weed? I mean, I feel like I have POA has to be in the mix because it's played such a big part of my career okay. so far, but um. What's your favorite insect pest? Grubs. Of course, because it's in your name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite disease? Mm, take all, gummomyces. Okay. What's your favorite grass? Uh, probably buffalo, but then zoysia. I was going to say, you might want to pick one that's grown in Tennessee. I know. <laughs> People are like, what's buffalo grass? It's so cute though. I love it. And it's dioecious and just adorable. Um, but yeah, I, uh, but after that, Zoysia, I do love Zoysias. They're so versatile. Thank mm. you. Uh, Dr. You've had a lot of uh, Zoysia, which we've talked a lot about on Tennessee Turf Tuesdays, but if you love Zoysia that much, you'll have plenty of opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Not some the best Kentucky bluegrass though, in my opinion. So that's all. Is that your favorite, John? Absolutely. Yeah. What's your, what are your, what's your favorite weed? Lamb's quarter, because you just have to mow it and it's dead, so. <laughs> mm -hmm. And what's your favorite turf insect? Good question. I, I would say it's also grubs, probably. Japanese beetle, because they're colorful and their celebrant's good on them. And then what about disease? Uh, probably dollar spot. That's what I did some work with when I first got here. I did some dollar spot work. And that's, that's a cool one to deal with. Like, and, and my favorite is pathologists can't come up with names for diseases or things like that. They keep changing all those things. So <laughs> and it's, that's, one, that's one that's bounced around a lot. It should be done bouncing around, though. I think we finally figured out what it is. <clears throat> yeah, I think so. Hopefully so. All righty. Well, I think that concludes our session for the day. Um, make sure, like I said, you take a screenshot of the GCSAA uh, point thing here. Um, and then so you can get that. And just to repeat, you will, as long as you've been on for the full hour, you will receive pesticide credits uh, for today's event. As, um, for the state uh, that you entered them in for when signing up for this webinar, um, 
And other than that, just a reminder also, if you are watching this after the fact or listening to it from Apple Podcasts or YouTube, you will not be able to uh, receive pesticide credits. Um, other than that, thanks everyone. Um, and again, welcome Dr. Bowling to UT. And we're, I know we're all excited to have you in the UT Carefgrass team here. So um, looking forward to seeing what all you do. I'm excited and to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Awesome. Well, again, thanks everyone for joining us on this Tennessee Turf Tuesday. Um, the next one will be in August. And uh, so be sure to look out for that. And um, thank you all again and hope everyone has a great day.